Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships, and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect. Okay, we're live. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the podcast, Misunderstandings of the Mind. Nice to see you. You too. Thanks for having me. Great. Um, Another subject. There's so many cool subjects that I've done podcasts on that... I get the um, the great experience of just talking to people about you know certain subjects that I love to explore, and this one you know particularly because of my own life experience of compulsive eating, um, you know was a massive thing in my history long before long before I took drugs. I was you know I was compulsively eating, and then after I took drugs, it was the first thing I picked up again. You know, and and it. it it looked like a real thing. And I guess if I look out into society, you know, or into circles of people, there's a lot of people struggling with compulsive eating. You know, there's a lot of talk. I work in the addiction treatment industry. There's a lot of talk about putting programs together to help people that are suffering, you know, and having real physical issues. And, and it, you know, a lot of, yeah, it's a big thing, you know. That's why that's what I see of it, you know. So, I don't know where would be a good jumping off point. You know, how do you how do you see it? You know, compulsive eating. How does it look from your perspective? I mean, it's it's um it's so easy. That's the thing. That's why I think it's so prevalent. In part, you know, it's so easy. It's relatively um, socially acceptable. It's not that it's really socially acceptable, but compared to hard drugs and other things, you know, you can, you can still live a functional life with it for the most part, not always, but you know, like things are impacted, but you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things that just feels like such a, such a gateway to, you know, it's like the, the first place we go. And like you mentioned, you know, kids, kids are like, it's like, we feel uncomfortable as a kid. It's one of the first places that a kid would go because it's a, a drug, if you want to call it that, or a way that we, we kind of learn to comfort ourselves that we have accessible to us from a very early age. Once you once you get sober, you, you always have to eat. So even then, like you said, I know so many people, myself too, that, um, so many clients and so many people I've worked with that that get through some other kind of addiction, alcohol, drug addiction, something else, and then it then it's like they turn to food because they haven't really seen well there there's a limit to what they've seen often now I'm totally stereotyping, but often it's like you know we see something where we we kind of realize okay I can't keep doing drugs I can't keep drinking I can't keep doing these things that are really dangerous to my health and so people go into some kind of treatment and and realize they can't do that and they succeed in not doing those things but but it, there's like it doesn't go that deep, you know. They've learned to not take drugs or drink, but they haven't quite learned who they are, and they haven't quite seen why they feel so uncomfortable and what that experience is made of. And so there's still this urge to grab and add and comfort themselves, and food's kind of there for that. Yeah, 
God, you just took me back. You know, I remember being in, in rehab and I remember eating food out of bins. You know, it was like, that was how bad it was for me. It was like, I would just eat anything I could because I just had this real sense of emptiness and a desire to fill it with something. Um, yeah, I mean, that was that was definitely, and, and as a kid, I think you were the first person who said it to me, but like, did, did I, something along the lines of, did I see the, the wisdom in that, you know, but I, I never saw it that way that like I was struggling with something and I found a way to, to cope with it, you know, as a kid. And that was what it was. I used food to cope with my emotions and it made me feel better at the time. And I kept repeating that pattern in order to feel better, you know, in order to get through and to cope with life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love that. I love seeing that, that wisdom in it. You know, and that's exactly, I think, what happens, yeah, when we're in treatment or when after people get sober or whatever, it's like there's that, that, that void hasn't completely gone away or, you know, it's not a real void, but the feeling of a void hasn't completely gone away. And so food's easy to go back to. Yeah. And in, in, in recovery circles, if you want, you know, it's kind of like a lot of people, like you said, they, they've stopped taking drugs, but food then becomes... You know, I've heard it um, joked about a lot. Oh well, it's not drugs; it's not going to kill you. You know, and and it's not it's not so it's not that bad, or it's somewhat so like you said, socially acceptable. But then people come into recovery at like um, you know a real a real low weight, really skinny because they've been taking drugs. But then within a year or two in recovery, they're massively overweight. Yeah, I think um, you know so much of of seeing, like you said, the, the wisdom behind it and, and really that it isn't any different than those other things. I mean, you know, we're saying, oh, it's socially acceptable. It's a little, it's this, it's that. We're kind of picking it apart from other substances or even other habits, even other, ha even other things like having affairs, overworking, being on the internet all the time, playing video games, which is another one that's available to kids, unfortunately, that I see so many young kids now, if they aren't eating to comfort, they're just losing themselves in a video game for hours and hours to comfort themselves, you know, like, so we can, we can look at the differences and the degrees and all that, but, but it's, it's so um, insightful to really kind of see, oh, it doesn't really matter what it is we're doing. They all have that same common essence in that root. Now, you know, again, it matters for our health and things like that, but but it's all coming from that same place. And what you just said, you know, is that feeling of some kind of void. Like it just feels like there's just an uneasiness there, a discomfort that we naturally feel like we just need to put something in to fill that up. And, and that's what's so awesome about seeing something about what that discomfort is, you know, what, no matter what we call it, what we attribute it to, what labels we give it, how we experience it. Everyone feels some, some degree of void and discomfort in our lives because we're human beings. And that's, that's part of the feeling spectrum that's available to us. Right. But, but seeing something about all that and kind of normalizing it and seeing how we all go through that and it all operates in the same way, I think is really, yeah, it's really huge. They, they all get, I think it's, um, and I don't know the right word, enforced or perpetuated by the way that 
traditional diagnoses are made and people people deal with them you know it's kind of like oh you've got an eating disorder you go to an eating disorder specialist or you've got an addiction you go to rehab you've got depression you go to the doctor and get antidepressants as if they're all something separate but like they're all created by the same misunderstanding right yes yeah and they aren't they yeah they aren't separate at all and that's the problem is when we start to look at the the uniqueness of them then we just kind of stay focused there so when we're like oh it's depression it's not alcoholism you know now we're up in the labels of them and we're just focused on oh i feel this way and i i do this and here's how and i sleep too much and i don't have this you know dry and over here it's like oh i drink too much and here's what i do and you know but we're so up in the in the content of it which is always changing we're up in the feelings and the thoughts and the behaviors, which is where humans look because it's where we've been pointed to look is at our psychology, but it's so not the helpful place to look because it's, it's always moving, you know, it's fluid. It's a, and, and we, we misunderstand it. We look at it as if it's stable and personal and then we just take it so seriously and try to fix it. And, and that's why I think, I mean, why, why our change attempts just don't go very deep and last very long. Yeah. So for like, for people listening, you know, that may be struggling with compulsive eating, you know, where, where, where do they start to look? I think, um, no, it's a great question. Like, like, and I don't know, again, it's a, there's not a one place, you know, it's an individual conversation and it's in, different for everyone, but, but really sort of, uh, beneath the surface of how you're behaving, what you're eating, even behind, beneath the surface of what you're thinking and how you're feeling is kind of seeing, oh, okay, there's, there's a habitual behavior here that, as you mentioned, is rooted in, in wisdom and resilience and me just trying to feel better because no one's compulsively eating because they're hungry. No one's compulsively eating because they're genetically predisposed predisposed to do it. I mean, although that might be a thing, but that's not making someone in a moment compulsively eat, right? No one's compulsively eating because they have a bad attitude or the wrong mindset or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, some of that is there in play, but ultimately we feel a discomfort that we're not okay feeling. And even that is probably too much. Like we don't feel a discomfort. We feel feelings. We feel life. We feel sensation, we feel thinking moving through us that our mind says, not okay, this means something, I can't handle this, this is, you know, whatever our mind is making up about it, we feel stuff that just scares us that we don't like. And so, and so we grab what occurs to us to grab to quiet that, to numb that feeling. And like, like we were saying, a lot of times that's food. So I think even just starting there for someone is so different it's, it certainly was for me when I was in this situation. It was all about what's wrong with me. And first, I need to change my diet and how I am around food, my food habits. And then I needed to change my mindset. And then I needed to change my energy and my vibration and all this other stuff. And it's like, wow, it's all, it's all going from the top down, trying to just patch patch a hole, you know, like slap a Band-Aid on this thing, rather than going from the bottom up and saying, wow, there's a feeling there that I don't like. Let me see something about that. What is a feeling? How does it work? Like, 
Like, you know, is it okay? Can I sit with, like, what can I understand? What do I misunderstand about this feeling? Because that's what's at the root of it, right? And what can I accurately understand about this feeling and who I am? Yeah. It's, you know, when I started to see that, the the connection of how I, you know, where I would delve into my problems before and try and micromanage all of them and deal with them in different ways versus the experience I had when I saw how I was creating them, you know, how they weren't real, you know, where, and then all the dominoes started to fall around different areas that looked like the individual areas that needed micromanaging, you know, they all started to become less, they didn't look like a problem anymore when I saw things that way. Yeah. With my own, with my own compulsive eating, I mean, it, it spread into so many I mean, compulsive eating and the behaviors around that, you know, like getting on scales, obsessive, you know, all the things, the, the feelings about body image, you know, like I, I, I had this constant obsession with how I looked and how that, you know, what that meant and so on, adding all, that, all those meanings to it. You know, it became, you know, when I saw how my thinking was creating my feeling in the moment, they no longer look like a problem. They just sort of got a lot easier to deal with, I guess. And 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 over time, that's just dissipated more and more to the point where it's just it doesn't doesn't affect me anymore. And I I I'd suffered with that my whole life. I mean, that's what I think. All those little details that tend to go along with it, like um, like you said obsession with weight and body and then like losing weight and gaining weight and what are you going to eat and how are you going to move and all that kind of stuff. It, it and then thoughts about health and like just so much stuff. I mean, those are almost like like the decoration around it, you know, the, all these little details that that kind of lead people to think, oh, see, this is a real thing. I can check off all these boxes. I'm concerned about my weight. I think I'm, you know, like all the boxes that we just said, like when there's all these little details that our mind thinks about, it, it has this way sometimes of making, making it look like a real thing. Like, see, I'm a compulsive eater. I have, I, you know, all these apply to me. But I love what you just said, where it's like, you know, another way of seeing that is like, no, that's all just a place a mind goes sometimes. You know, like none of that makes it mean anything. Like those thoughts don't mean anything. Some people don't ever step on the scale. Other people are obsessed with it. Big deal. It has nothing to do with, with you having this thing called compulsive overeating or whatever we want to call it. You know, it's like, yeah, a mind travels around to those things. And something so nice just in sort of the how fluid and just kind of how, how easy we can see that. Like, oh, yeah, you're obsessed with that? Isn't that interesting? I used to be obsessed with this aspect of it. So what? It doesn't mean what it seems like it means. Yeah, it feels so free to be out of those, out of those, um, that thinking, you know, about it, like that, that thinking looking real. You know, it's like, you know, I, I still get those thoughts. I just don't take much notice of it, you know? And it's like what you were describing. I think I heard it called thingifying, you know, like thingifying some thoughts and it's like turning them all into a, into a reason that it must be true, you know, and then sort of delving in in a way to deal with that. Whereas there's nothing to deal with. And I just couldn't get my head around that at first, you know, it was kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can make a case for how they're all really important and they're all really 
damaging and they all need to be fixed, you know, and that's, I think that's what a mind does. It makes a case for all this content, all these details. But again, it's like, that's just looking from the top down in such a complicated way. When we get to the heart of it, it's all the same thing. We wouldn't be eating more food than our body needs if we were okay with how we felt, if we weren't afraid by our own experience. Not being that um, the quote about if the only thing people ever learned was not to be afraid of their experience, you know, it sounds really apt in this around this subject. So I guess the place I guess the place to look is is what you said is how how not getting involved in the details and looking at how thought creates our experience in the moment, you know, is where things start to fall apart, right? Yeah, you know, I think it's um yes <laughs> around like we're going to feel stuff and like just as human beings we're going to feel stuff now before our mind even calls that comfortable uncomfortable acceptable unacceptable whatever those those are all just labels our mind gives to sensation and feeling and being alive right so before all that we're just a human being feeling stuff but we're not, we're not before all that, all that often. <laughs> we're after that. We're like in the concepts and then, you know, and that just, even that right there is just a huge thing for people to start to see, you know, is that again, now we're so far removed from your label and your problem and all the symptoms of your problem. And it's like, no, just come back here where all of us are exactly the same. We all have this energy bringing, bringing experience to life, moving through us all of that energy and all of that experience brought to life is okay. Like, okay, it's not a great word, but like safe, in motion, beautiful, you know, acceptable, impersonal in that because you want to eat a whole cake doesn't mean a thing about you. You know, because you stopped eating whole cakes doesn't mean a thing about you. It's just the way that life is expressing itself through us. Like, kind of starting or looking, I think, in that in that really basic kind of place. So helpful because, yeah, like when we think about it, we, our mind just feels something and instantly we're like off to the races. It's afraid of it. It doesn't like it. It can't feel that. And that's true for all of us. I mean, compulsive eating, but like all the time, right? Like we, we all do little things, little things at least all the time to kind of bring ourselves back to a feeling of home base or balance or whatever that is. So like just seeing, wow, feelings are okay. Any kind of feelings are okay and safe and and not just knowing that but really kind of feeling into it and and learning it in a very experiential personal you know felt sort of way i think is it, it's it sounds kind of high level and like kind of cheesy and cliche to talk about but i mean it's one thing to talk about it it's another thing for people to really kind of notice that is that that has to be the truth because we felt all kinds of stuff in our lives and it's never killed us and we're incredibly resilient and we've never been stuck in anything. And we've always, you know, and then the more we explore this, like the bigger our capacity feels like it is to, to get knocked around a little bit and, and feel all that. And then we realize, oh yeah, I always come back home. It always changes. Yeah, I've had that conversation a few times with people. You know, it's like it feels like as we go through life that there's been so many occasions where it looks like 
things are really bad are, are going to happen and we live in the experience of that anxiety feeling worry about the situation that then doesn't ever happen and it's kind of like and then it's like oh where did those feelings come from you know and and then looking back at life thinking well i see i've got here all the way to here and everything's always been fine every time you know it's kind of like and actually some things that I thought were not fine or were bad at the time were actually quite good, you know, and, and, and that gives me a real perspective of what's really going on versus what I think is going on, you know? Yeah. And even when it's really bad, so what, <laughs> you know, it's been really bad a lot of times too in our experience and that's okay. We didn't stay stuck in that either. That didn't kill us either. You know, it's, um, <laughs> it's like we we're totally fine always just feeling stuff just feeling these fluctuations of energy moving through us and independent of that i always think of it this way like we have this little narrator in our head that's just freaking out about a lot of stuff you know a little narrator in our head is like oh you can't handle that that one will kill you oh hurry up shove something in you know drink something eat something do something get away from this feeling Meanwhile, we're fine. I mean, we can totally handle the feeling, but the narrator doesn't know that. And that's the beauty in, in starting to see like, yeah, there's a narrator there. Every human being on the face of this earth has one and always has. And there's something other than that narrator voice to look toward and listen to. And, and I think when you're, when people, and, and certainly when I was in that space of, of listening to that, you know that voice that was there all the time you know it it looks overwhelmingly real in the moment right until you've had a until you had an experience of you know of seeing i'm trying to think where it stopped looking so real you know i, I couldn't really it's difficult for me to put a a pinpoint on it you know but there was a point when it looked really real and it felt like my you know I was like always having to do something about my thoughts and and like they were a problem and I and they you know, annoy me and stress me out. And then there was a point where all of a sudden it didn't look like that anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was almost like there's a point where I didn't even know I had a narrator in my head at all. It just looked like I was just in life and life just demanded certain things of me. And you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. then, and then there was sort of some, some, you know, some process, not one moment I'm sure, but like where it was like, Oh, there's a, all this stuff, all this heavy, tight, you know, not nice stuff is not as a narrator in my head. And then now, you know, sometimes you see it and a lot of times I don't see it. A lot of times I'm still just swimming in it. Um, but it is, yeah, it's kind of, kind of cool to have that awareness of it because I think with the awareness of it, we, we definitely see it a lot more. We're a lot more likely to, to notice it and, and even more important, again, I think it's it's really easy to talk about thought and the narrator, and that's super helpful. But I, I think it's so great to like just naturally let ourselves get curious about what's beyond that. That's the real point, you know. We can say, "Oh, we always feel our thinking," and end the conversation there. But that's going to be kind of limited, I think. Like, what about the question of like, you know, well, what's there beyond the narrator? What's bigger than this? Well, what's there when that guy's not talking? What do we sense? Definitely nothing that needs to eat a bunch of food. Yeah. That's where the sense of wisdom comes, you know, when I've got a quiet mind, when I'm, when I'm not 
listening to that voice or when I've not fallen asleep to it again and it's looking like my real life. You know, it's like I, I, I can feel my way to what seems like the right thing to do, being more connected to that sense of what's right and what's not right, you know? Yeah. I have a, um, I have a client who tells a story. She's a doctor and she, um, she had a patient who was a, a guy who, um, so the, her patient came in with his father. He was, um, he had some kind of developmental disability. So he was an adult, but kind of had a, like kind of a childlike adult. So I guess this guy, this, he, this man would, would ride his bike around to the different convenience stores in town and just get junk food like all day long. Right. And so he was seeing his doctor along with his dad to get some help for this. Um, and is and he said he'd just go from store to store and the people he didn't have a job or anything but the the store owners kind of knew him and would give him a you know things here and there, and um, and his dad could never get him to stop doing this and then finally his dad said to the doctor my client you know like she, he said I just don't I just tell him it's okay to feel hungry it's okay to just feel hungry. Like that's an okay feeling. And that, and she, you know, it was such a huge moment for her too, to see, oh my gosh, look at the wisdom coming from this dad and this guy. And that is so simple. Like, of course it's okay to feel hungry, right? It, it, feel anything, but we're talking about hunger, but it's all the same, right? Of course it's okay to feel hungry. But somewhere along the line, we, we started getting afraid of feelings and we started getting afraid of hunger, maybe, you know? And, and it's like to play with that um, capacity to just be with the feeling of anything, of hunger, of loneliness, of sadness, of anxiety, and see that it rises and falls within us and it ebbs and flows and comes and goes. And importantly, and there's a narrator that's narrating the whole thing and telling you you're going to die from it and you have to hurry up and get more now and all of that stuff. But that in the ebbs and flows, kind of the backdrop of that, behind all that, you sense something else. You sense this space within which hunger shows up <laughs> and comes and goes, you know? So like that is, that's awesome. Like it almost feels like for me, it, it's felt like, again, that the, it used to be this, this narrow little cylinder and I'd feel stuff and then I'd, I'd, I'd kind of clamp down around what I was feeling, especially, you know, when I didn't like it, even when I did like it, because I need more of that feeling and less of this feeling. And it was just so tight. And it, and, and it can go, I think, to this place where it just feels so wide and expansive. Like, oh, there's hunger. Hi, hunger. Bye, hunger. There's sadness. Hi, bye. You know, and then we're not any of that. Yeah. Wow. I was uh, I was thinking we we talked a lot about kind of like the inner workings of the mind and the expert how the experience is created you know but for people listening you know what when you work with people how do you find that like because the outward manifestation of this the end result is the putting the food in your mouth or being sick or whatever that is you know like or obsessively getting on scales you know or all those things what do you find like happens with people when they start to see like how the mind really works? Does that just disappear or do you, do, do people just manage that differently or does it become less of a problem? Yeah, all of that, all of that. It's interesting. You know, I mean, it is, it's really, 
sometimes it just disappears, but that's, that's not the norm from what I see anyway. Um, it's kind of like we were saying where, where it's like the, we just go from living feeling to feeling and, and, and feeling like we're a complete victim of whatever kind of emotion or energy or void is moving through us so that we just act without even thinking at all. We have no choice in the matter. It doesn't feel like we have a choice in the matter at all. We just feel kind of robotic and conditioned and we're just shoving food in and doing whatever we're doing, right? To like having a tiny bit of space there. And like we said, you know, kind of noticing, oh, there's a narrator in my head. Like this, there's a feeling there. There's thinking there. That's, that's playing a big role. I'm not even sure how big yet. You know, it's like that's kind of, kind of foreign at first. But to start to even just see that, oh, yeah, there's, there's me and then there's experience. And usually we're just like have like our face pressed to the window of experience. And that's all we're in. But then there's a bit of distance that starts to grow. And in that in those really practical ways. I mean, I think that's where people say like, oh, I felt this desire to do my habit and I didn't. Or I felt this desire to do my habit and I did. <laughs> Either way, right? We do it or we don't. But, it, but even that is different. It's not, you know, that you, they're noticing the experience of it and the thoughts and the feelings and all that in a new way. And it's just like, there's just, again, I keep saying this, but like the space that grows and this expansiveness around it that almost gives us this, we don't have to get into whether we actually have choice and free will and all that, but it gives us this feeling of, oh, I, you know, I don't have to just be a victim and be thrown around by every little thing that moves through me. It gives us a feeling of separation or feeling of something that's healthy and stable and in that. So a lot of times, yeah, how that looks is people will, notice things more and then they say oh I made a different choice or I could see I saw that I could just be with that and then it came came around less the less I gave into it the less it came around and then it's like this whole new normal starts to take over right where you're just not the person who does that anymore yeah so they basically they develop a completely different relationship with our with our experience yeah and exactly. then yeah, and the, and there's no there's no there's nothing in trying to change things at the habit, you know, at the at, at the habit. Like for so long, I and and people I've worked with, it's so like that's where they come from at the start. You know, I have to stop this. I need to change this habit. You know, and they're all focused on ways and means and tips and tricks and techniques in order to change the habit. Mm -hmm. But when people start to see how their experience is created and get that different relationship with it you know, then the habit becomes, it just becomes something completely different anyway. Exactly, exactly. And that is so huge. I mean, having a different relationship with your experience, totally different place to look. It might sound similar on the face of it, totally different place to look than, yeah, what am I going to do next time a feeling shows up? Or how am I going to eat? Or how am I going to, what am I going to think? What affirmations am I going to say? Or, you know, how do I change my mindset? I mean, so different. Well, the, the latter is like just so in the weeds of things that we just can't see straight in there. It's like saying, you know, in the middle of a panic attack, here's what you're going to do. In the middle of the deepest, darkest depression, here's what, here's what, how, what you're going to do. You're going to try to cheer yourself up. Yeah, right. No one, no one even has the desire in a sense. I mean, 
you know, again, we can pick that apart. But in the middle of a deepest, darkest depression, someone's supposed to cheer themselves up. That's never going to work. Their consciousness is in the toilet. Like they don't have the ability to even see a way to cheer themselves up. But that's what we do with habits. We're like, oh, here's what I'll do. I'll bring out my willpower. You don't have it. I certainly didn't have any willpower in the middle of a huge, overwhelming urge. Not much anyway. You know, definitely not enough to break a habit with. Yeah, me too. I, the amount of times I've been out and bought huge amounts of food and then thrown it in a bin and then gone and bought it again. You know, it's kind of like, and, and people used to say, why didn't you phone me? I'm like, oh, you know, that was just like, just yes. was never in my mind, never in my, in my conscious awareness to do that. You know, at that point, it's like, I don't think I even ever wanted somebody to really stop me or intervene, if, even if they could, you know, at that point. Yeah, because you feel so bad. You just will do anything that, that looks like the thing to do to give you comfort. Now, now rationally, phoning your friend is, is a better option. <laughs> but there's no rationally in those moments. It's like, no, eating the food is the better option because that's the faster way to just numb from all of that. Yeah. You know, from, from this understanding, you know, when people get this understanding and they get a different relationship with their habits and not only do they get that different relationship with their habits, but all areas of life starts can be affected, you know, in a, in a, in a positive way, in a different outlook about life, you know, relationships, you know, your perspective of work, um, you know, all, all those different things can be seen differently because it's not, it's not limited to your relationship with food or your, or anything to do with food. It's to do with your ex, you know, your relationship with experience, right? Totally. Yeah. That's, you know, and that's where, that's where this differs, I think, from a lot of things that, that are looking at the surface. It's like, like you said, you know, we see a lot of habit swapping. You get sober, but then you're compulsively eating or you're smoking like crazy or you're doing other things, you know, and because it's the better thing to do. But I mean, that's where I think this, you know, you don't see that when people see, have this different experience with their experience. Um, Yeah, it cuts, it cuts deeper than all that. Something that comes to mind for me is that it hides so much potential, you know, of people of, of not seeing when, when for me, when I was in that space of compulsive eating, you know, it's like I was just focused on me, you know, all me, me, me and, and my thinking, you know, and it was like having come out the other side of that, I, you know, I see that like, who I am as a, as a creative person. I see who I am as a, you know, in, in my life because I've just got that different relationship with experience. It's like possibilities have become endless, you know, but, and, and my experience of life is so different. Whereas it, now it looks so wide and expansive and, and there's so much potential. Whereas where I was in that space of, of um, you know, with the food and habits, it looks so narrow, you know. Our heads just filled up with the same repetitive stuff over and over again, you know, and it is, it is narrow and we don't know, I think, that there's, that there's anything around that, you know, that there's anything but just that constant kind of tight me, me, me conversation. No, I think just, um, you know, just thinking about people who might find this, that 
that really are like, like most people thinking, wow, I have this problem with eating. Mm. It's, it, it's just a great first step and so big, so much bigger than it seems. And I know, again, I know it sounds a little cliche, but to kind of see, no, eating is just, eating is just the best thing you can see to do to help yourself feel better in a moment. The problem has nothing to do with eating or food or weight or any of that. It's, it's a misunderstanding of the mind. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's really kind of seeing, man, it, anything I'm feeling is okay. And that, that is very cliche too. But again, to kind of look in the direction of really exploring that and seeing it and look a little less at the what I ate yesterday and what I'm going to eat today and how I'm going to think about it. Cause I, I just know, and it sounds like you too. I mean, I spent way too long just so in that conversation about those details and it's sad because it really kind of clouds our vision from, from, you know, looking bigger and seeing what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great place to look, you know, it's, it's definitely not the place that I looked when I was trying to solve my problems and it's, and, and it's such a different, perspective of it and how can people get in touch with you how, how can people find you um, your website address and what are you up to at the moment you know have you got any th programs going on and different things yeah so the um the way that i work with people is through my online school called the little school of big change um it's at the little school change.com and there's a um a course that I lead people through and I personally support them through it through an understanding of how our mind really works and why we have these habits, a lot of what we've been talking about here. Um, so I walk people through that understanding and then there's a community that's attached to that that's just an amazing supportive community. So um, that's at the little school of big change.com and then my main website is dramyjohnson.com and find links to my podcast and things like that there. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for this conversation. Really enjoyed it. And um, I'll put your details on the um, podcast when I put it up. All right. Thank you so much.